Chapter 8 of The Bridge of History of the Gulf of Time by Thomas Cooper. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 8 The Arch of the Crusades. What shall we call the twelfth century? Let us call it the Arch of the Crusades. What were they? Does anyone ask? I answer the expedition of at least two millions of men, according to the very lowest statement of history, to get possession of the Holy Land. What Holy Land? Does anyone ask again? I reply, the land, in the words of Shakespeare, over whose acres walked those blessed feet which eighteen hundred years ago were nailed for our advantage to the bitter cross. The land in which Christ was born, in which he taught, worked his miracles, was crucified, and rose again from the dead. Kings left their thrones, and among them our own Cour de Leon, the bravest princes and nobles sold or pawned their lands to get men and horses and ships to go and win possession of the Holy Land. Thousands died before they got out of Europe. Thousands perished by sea, and thousands perished in Asia. But they won possession of Jerusalem, and had possession of it for eighty-eight years, as a petty, barren Christian kingdom, for crusader kings took their titles from it. The great soul that kept up this enthusiasm for the Crusades was doubtless St. Bernard. But men must have believed that Jesus Christ lived in Palestine, taught, and wrought his miracles there, was crucified, and rose again from the dead there, or they would not have spilt their own blood, and wasted their wealth on these crusades. It is not possible for us, the commercial, the utilitarian, or the scientific men, or whatever we please to call ourselves, of the nineteenth century, to share in the enthusiasm of the ruder, but perhaps more earnest men, of the twelfth century. They were just awakening from the sleep of the Dark Ages, and they reasoned thus. We ought not to let these infidel dogs, the Saracens, the children of Mahound, these devotees of Satan, possess that holy land where our Saviour's blessed feet trod, where he taught and worked his miracles, where he was crucified and rose from the dead. We Christian men ought to possess it, and we will possess it. Deus vult! God wills it, shouted Pope Urban. It is good and right and holy affirmed St. Bernard, and his word was saintly law, even above the word of any pope, and band after band went on the vain errand of subduing the Holy Land. It was not vain in another sense, for the energetic passing to and fro among the peoples of different countries of Europe and the peoples of Asia and Africa as well resulted in the laying of broad foundations for the future civilization of Europe. Yet I say we cannot, if we would, rekindle the crusading enthusiasm. Suppose some warm-natured brother of our number were to say here tonight, I think the crusaders were right, and I propose that we sign a petition to the queen and send an army at once to seize Jerusalem from the Turks. Oh, go to Jericho, we should all cry out. Let the Turks keep Jerusalem so long as they do us no harm by it. What, after nine millions spent on the Abyssinian freak and all the millions spent on the Crimean war, do you suppose we are in the humor for more folly? There were many sufferings for pure Christianity in this century. Under the names of Paterines, or sufferers, Cathari, or Puritans, weavers, poor men, Beguines, Beguards, prayer-makers, and a variety of other names, the protesters against Roman superstition were scattered over the country of the Purines, Ladou in France, and parts of Germany and Italy, and their lives were taken without pity. The fearful Inquisition was at last organized against heresy, and for many long years ran its hideous race of cruelty. It asserted that one inquisitor-general, the infamous Torquemada, put nine thousand persons to death. 
and the entire number slaughtered by the Inquisition is commonly stated at 32,000. But we remember the name of the arch of the Bridge of History on which we stand, and fear to prolong our stay upon it beyond your patience. I say again, men must have believed that Christ's well-known history was a history of facts, or they would not have risked their lives in the attempt to get possession of the land in which they believed he had lived, died, and risen again from the dead. How came men to be believing in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth? Whence did this faith arise? Where did Christianity come from? We ask again. Did Jesus really never exist on this earth, and is Christianity but a reproduction of the old fable of the sun? Let us continue our march along the bridge of history and see if we find Christianity on the arch before the arch of the Crusades. End of chapter 8